0: This is Mouth Media Network, the business of
1: being heard. This is Peter Coleman, the announcer for Funny People Talking. I have the greatest job in the world, because no matter how terrible I am, I still look about a bajillion times better than the hosts on this show. Right now, I look fantastic, because this is Funny People Talking.
2: I'm Eric Alper, I'm a SiriusXM host and also music industry publicist, and I'd rather be on the plane with Buddy Holly, Richie Havens, and the Big Bopper than to even listen to Funny People Talking. Well,
3: hello, everybody, and welcome to Funny People Talking. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rako, and uh, man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, man, am I excited for... Today's episode, not as excited as Elsie, by the way, as you'll discover shortly, but I just want to say, welcome to the show. I'm Mark Rake, one of your hosts. And of course, we have Dresden here, who I should note, I can see her on her little video screen here. She's not in her usual locale nor her usual position. Hi, Dres. Hi. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at you, but there is a potential.
4: Potential COVID scare in my family, so I'm mildly quarantining. Yeah, my daughter We're waiting for results. So therefore, I am in the other child's frozen bedroom because I'm not in my office today. And so there's a variation of stuffed Olaf's all around me.
5: (laughs) Wow.
3: Wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you for finding a way to still do the show, given, you know, the adjustment, (laughs) you know
4: yeah actually i live I live in a city that has the highest hospitalization rate right now per capita Good old Rochester New oh. York, a pond away from our star, so I'll let you move on, but wow. yeah, things are serious, folks. keep safe. we love you
3: you know Rochester known for so many things so many good so love, things good yeah. things, good things, and good things. you know hospitalizations as well and You know, anyway, I love Rochester. I'm from Rochester. So, you know, anyway, Drez, good to see you. Also on the show, of course, our producer, Elsie, who I would say as much as Elsie can be, I would say she's within Elsie parameters, all a quiver. (laughs) a quiver. Are you uh, in in relative terms, all a quiver today, Elsie? Yeah, I am.
4: (laughs) We're not going to go as far to say titillated, but a quiver.
3: Yes, Yes. somewhere between a quiver and titillated because of why, Elsie? Because of our guest. And who is our guest (laughs) today? I'll let you introduce him.
6: Oh, I get to? Oh my God. I actually get to? Okay. Wow. Today we have Eric Alperon, who I've been bugging you about for I don't know how long, and we finally were able to get a hold of him, and it's pretty freaking amazing. It is. Ooh, Eric, so if you so don't so
3: know so. Eric Elper's name, and frankly you should, he's a music industry expert a music industry publicist, a social media expert, and a satellite radio host. Basically, he's got it going on. And uh Eric, we are just as so delighted to have you join us. Thank you very much.
2: This is this is awesome. You know, I am looking at Dredden and I'm like, I, I just missed happy hour. It it's I, I don't know if it's being in the room of Frozen, but she uh, It's like I'm talking to Joyce to like Joyce DeWitt on Friday at the Regal Beagle. I, I have no I have no uh, idea what's the going Regal on. Beagle.
0: Perfect.
2: Perfect. <laughs> I don't see any reason to
3: go on with this show. We've covered the regal no, beagle. I feel our mission right. is accomplished. Yeah, that's but Let's it. go on. Let's
2: go on anyway. <laughs> this is well, awesome. Well, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thanks, Elsie, for for mentioning me. Um, um, you know, this is great. Absolutely. Thank awesome. you. I just want to say you.
4: every time I hear the Pina Colada song in my mind, the setting for that. Is inside the regal beagle, but but oh, I'm gay. Enough of my fantasies. Funny.
3: That's <laughs> hilarious. Well, if you were to crawl into my mind, it looks a lot like the regal beagle, also. So you know, mine looks like the
4: inside of I Dream a Genie's bottle. But continue. Look I along. totally
3: believe that. By the way, <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, uh, this is going to be a great show, uh, Eric. Glad you're with us. It's going to be a good fun ride. Uh, I, I want to share all, with all of you a, a little uh, story about a woman I met in Union Square. Uh, we're of course going to do. Our tribute to Tina Fey, uh, another Dresden moment, uh, which we will explain to you. Chosen, Eric.
4: chosen just for Eric being here today.
3: And Elsie has told me she would like to do more of her pros pros get, How do you say that? I, I'm a little pros, worried pros, about what you were
4: going to say. <laughs> she
3: likes to pros, not, pros Oh my God! How you say,
4: Elsie? Elsie, please help him.
3: Prosnag- I don't know what he's even talking about. I she likes to look into, into to the, to the future. She likes to look into the future. press No, what
2: is it? Pros. Mark, Mark needs Google for his or for, for <laughs> where his he's like, talking to. What is that word? This, this already sounds disturbing. Do I need it's to be disturbing. a part of this? No, do I need uh, well, to you will be know? a part of
3: it. But basically, Elsie, uh, LC, uh, Elsie's
4: going to look review. into something. Of- Elsie's going to look into something of his that begins with the word pros, hence yes, his fear. Pros,
3: <laughs> pros yeah. I don't know. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up during our break, but I want tell All you good. basically, Elsie elsie can look in the future and do a movie review without even seeing the movie, just based oh, on yeah. its description. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we're going to do a little yeah, bit of that. It. Plus, I got it. Plus, uh, yep. uh, uh, one of our favorite uh, improv games that I've selected just because Eric is here with us. It's so appropriate.
2: Oh, I thought we were already talking about it with you pronouncing the word. No, that's just my normal. I thought thought somebody just gave you a word on paper and you were like, let's get Mark to pronounce this word and see what happens. And you want to know what's the
4: best? We haven't officially even started the show yet.
3: (laughs) That's not, it's not even, uh, that's not, it's just, you know how bad it is? I tried to Google the word. Oh, it is. Here it is. Prostonginator. No, that's not it. Anyway, uh, I, I get a Google result that isn't a word. It's so odd. So anyway, Mark's gonna go study for the, the SAT. <laughs> I know. Oh my! God. Um,
0: hey,
3: Mark, should we start the, the
2: show?
3: It's the 366th great, word on so the word far, of the day commercial
2: calendar. For, the, for the public school system in Rochester, New York. <laughs>
1: oh, no,
2: no, oh, you you should know about his reading
6: lists when he was a kid.
3: <laughs> I, Oh, yeah. Funny thing, Elsie. Yeah, Elsie awesome. uh, constantly teases me because. Every time she goes, did you ever read this, read this book? And I'm like, no, we never had in high school. It goes, oh my God, what was on your reading list? Mad Magazine, you know, or something like that. But went
4: to one of the best schools in the country, but that's a whole other story.
3: It's so
5: weird.
4: there was nothing
3: on the reading list. I know, I know. Except for
4: their ELA program.
3: I know, right? Anyway, and of course, we're going to dig into uh, all things Eric Alper. I can't wait. But first, (laughs) a quick, 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 I know, question for Dresden. Yes, sir. Dresden. Yeah. Uh, Funny thing. uh, Uh You know those – well, of course you know because they're there. But Eric and Elsie, you know those little bottles that you you pop the cork and these streamers come flying out of them? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I see no less than 67 to 68 of them surrounding you, Dresden, in your daughter's room there. And uh, what I love is <laughs> each and every pack. one of them. They're not
2: packing streamers. They've got this where she puts her weed in it.
3: Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, each and every one of them has a picture of Olaf from Frozen on them. Yes, they uh, well, do. I, now I, I understand how they go with the theme of the room. But what I'm trying to figure out is what is it that we're going to like. This seems like a huge celebration and possible safety hazard coming someday. So what? what is with the 67 to 68 right. mini so, streamer?
0: So
4: instead bottles? of a drinking game, I had, you know, an end of the season. All the pool boys who work on my pool, I had an end oh, of the season them. party for them. And, you know, we had to stay socially distanced and they're not all over 18. So I couldn't, we could over 21. So we couldn't drink. So we did the, the poppers instead. And, and every oh. time I said something funny. Maybe because I pay them. I don't know. But they popped oh. the, the funny poppers. And so. it. Oh,
3: so there's a lot really of them left. Is that, is that is that a problem?
4: I thought you said they were all popped.
3: Oh, sorry. OK. Yes,
4: yes. So. So, yeah. So instead of drinking my 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 lesion of um of pool boys, that's what we did instead. It's it's a new trend. We're going to try it. it. I... We're going to we're going to package it and market it. Perfect. For cougar end of the year parties.
2: Oh, I love it. What do you think, it?
4: Eric? You game?
2: Oh, I'm so glad the border is closed. <laughs> um, this, you're exactly the kind of a person that I hang out with at one of those all-inclusive resorts. And Ooh, oh! Make, makes the trip so much better. <laughs> That's and like the, whole, the best compliment the whole thing. I ever got. The whole the whole basis for the trip is not to get as much sun as possible, but but can we make Dresden pee by the pool just making oh her laugh as much as possible? Oh
4: my god, I love it! I love it as long as I'm not like one of the chicks you've met at Burning Man. Then I'll take the compliment. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, uh, well, thank you All so righty. much for unpacking that. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Elsie, want to tell me to start the show? Prognostication. Yes, that's it. Post- Say it again? Yeah.
6: Prognostication. Prognostication. I was putting the G in the wrong place. And I um, foresee you starting the show, so get with it.
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very
1: nice. From the Mouth Media Network studios in New York City, this is Funny People Talking with Mark Rako, Dresden Angle, and Elsie.
3: Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. Funny people talking and all that stuff. Our guest is Eric Alper, and we're thrilled and pleased as pie. Before we get started with the show proper, a quick piece of housekeeping, and that is our uh, our ritual, our salute, our tribute to Tina Fey, comedian Tina Fey, who we desperately hope and wish someday somehow will make a pass by this show. I hope she'll come on as a guest, send us a postcard. Order us a pizza. I don't care. Just some some way in which she knows we exist. I've had a few close calls with her, Eric, and working with her, and they all just near missed. And uh, I just feel we're destined to intersect. So we, every show, we put it out to the universe by praying to the comedy gods, and you never know what may happen. Uh, so we're going to do a quick prayer now. You're welcome to join, or you can just watch, wondering what you've gotten yourself into. So, Justin, would you lead off the prayer to Tina Fey? Tina,
0: we wanna hang with a girl named
3: Tina. Tina Faye, please be on the show. Tina, please send us a Tina, postcard. Send a word through tin Can. can skywriting,
5: Tina, smoke signals, we don't care. We Dad love Tina. you. Please be on the show. Tina. Comedy gods we Tina. pray to thee. To be cool. Amen. We can hey.
3: on, thanks, Thank you very much, everybody. Alright, <laughs> so
2: i <laughs> Tina period on the show eric there you go eric thank with you. with the
3: with the cherry on the Sunday. thank you sir
2: yeah a jewish person working in the music industry what uh a, what uh a, what, what a shy how
3: is that happened <laughs> i know uh the last time someone did that they wrote habanagila so uh, i'm actually
4: a little i'm a little jealous that no offense elsie our guest has the best hair today and i'm pretty proud of my hair no but- it's true his hair yeah. is It's far, true. Far cooler. I long like as we all have
2: hair, unlike Mark.
6: Yes, yeah. I have. Mark's one I of these have... things is not the same.
4: Mark
3: has a I goatee. Have some sort That's
4: of... hair. I do. Goatee. I, have, I yeah. have a
3: gene. I have a, actually. I have a goatee mostly because my wife will not let me shave it off. She likes uh, it. She prefers it. But uh, that's the main reason I still have one, I have to tell you.
4: Mark and I actually did Annie together, and he played Daddy Warbucks, and I he did. was all set. He was all set. I, and they, Is that
3: true? Yes. Yeah. I, I, and I would not wear a bald cap. I refused to wear no. a bald cap. So it they works? were like,
2: eh, Yeah. Was so, is back in Rochester? Yeah, where where yeah. was it? It
3: was in Rochester. Uh, I've been in New York uh City about thirteen years or so, but before that, I was in Rochester for quite like a few years. One of his years.
4: last, one of his last hurrahs. And
3: Dresden and I have done a few shows together. And I, had, I had a good time. I always play the crazy
4: together. orphanage lady. I know <laughs> Oliver Annie. I but know. anyway, Widow Corn Oliver all
3: and all that, all and them. uh the mayor's wife in Susical and uh i guess we end up working with a lot of kids don't we so anyway uh (laughs) i know it's weird because we're the responsible adults (laughs) (laughs) all right anyway moving on before we get on to our next bit i just had to share a quick story and i I don't know if this is going to be riveting, but I just feel the need to share. So I don't even think I told my wife this, but recently I had a doctor's appointment down in Union Square. So in New York City, that's around 14th Street. It's pretty good ways away. And as I walked uh, through Union Square, there was a woman there in, I don't know the exact period, but I'm going to say 1940s, 1930s curls. And she was singing in the street like old classics. And she had a beautiful voice. And she was really entertaining nicely. And people were around taking their videos and tipping her and stuff. And I was very impressed with her voice and, and everything like that. And I had just come out of doctor's appointment. And to be honest with you, I've gotten some favorable news. I was feel, kind of riding high, loving life. And I was like, you know what? The bank's right there. I'm going to go in. I'm going to get her some real money. I don't mean hundreds, but like 40 bucks or something. And go tip her. This is, this is life giving me karma. I walk out this beautiful song, this beautiful singer singing. And I, I I showed her the money before I put it in just so that she could see like it wasn't just a buck, you know, like someone's really tipping you. I was hoping it would put a lift in her step, you know, yeah, yeah. Put, put it in there, applauded. And I walked away and I saw her Instagram handle on the, the front of the kettle. She's selling seeds whatever. So later I, I DM'd her on Instagram and I said, and I looked her up and what I could see very evidently, she appears to be someone probably a little bit involved with musical theater, maybe. She looks like someone who's maybe in her early 20s, mid-20s, maybe struggling in New York, trying to get it done, out there in the streets singing for some change, but not an immense amount of followers. And I say, you know what? I like this story. I think she's amazing. She's just one of those people you see, Eric, who you you, you see and you just go, good God, please someone discover her. She's just yeah. got that thing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna play a part. Maybe it'll never lead to anything, but I'm gonna invite her on this show. And usually we don't ask people on the show that aren't, don't have something going on that that is impressive in some way you know what i mean we'll just have the average joe on the street but i'm like ah, eh, like we're not we're not letterman or the tonight show or jimmy fallon or whatever but what the heck i'll invite her she'll probably go oh my god that's amazing and i made sure to say hey i was the one that put 40 bucks in your pot today you were amazing blah 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 we'd love to have your show no answer okay it's a cool so then i just pinged her and i just said hey just uh i wanna say Great job again, blah blah blah. Let me know if you'd like to be on the show. And she said, "Thanks. Um, I'll check out the show and uh, and ask my sister." And I've never heard from her again. And I was wow. really thinking about it and deciding: Do I just rest on the fact that she made me feel good in that moment and I did something for her? I invited her; she doesn't have to say yes, and that's the end of it. Or do I be bothered at the disrespect? Of someone actually throwing her a bone after tipping her some real money, and then she doesn't even have the courtesy to follow up, you know, or even say like, "Oh my God, thanks for the invite. Let me look into it. I'll get I, back to I,
4: you." I have feedback, but I'd love to no. Hear. I want
3: feedback. I'm saying I don't have an answer to this. I, I but maybe I, maybe I am bringing it up to the group because I I have to admit. I'm a little torn on this. It's bothered me a little bit.
4: It is. Eric, you want to go first since you're in the biz?
2: Yeah. So part of me would say that she is under no obligation to make you feel at all happy, sad, glad, because you were the one that took the initiative to put money into her basket or guitar case or wherever it was. So once that. Kind of um once that relationship, once that transaction ends, um she is under no obligation to do something like that, however, um you know th- with that kind of of lack of communication, I mean, we'll play this fifteen years from now when she becomes the next Madonna, I'm sure, but that lack of communication, that lack lack of being able to say at least thank you and let me just come on and repay the favor or at least, you know, have a good time is probably why most independent artists stay independent is because they don't think about other people in the industry as really busy like everybody else is. But the minute that you take time out of your busy schedule to answer back to somebody, it blows their mind. And it should that that relationship happens. You know, I I learned really early on in, in music, but mostly from Disney, to be honest with you, that they've got this five second rule that all the staffers at Disney have. And it's if you are walking around as a cast member, as somebody that that works there and some kid drops their ice cream or somebody is really sad, you have the ability to blow that person's mind in five seconds and make their day better. And all the cast members believe in this. Being able to retweet something on social media or like something or say thank you to somebody that wrote an article about you isn't just about blowing their mind, but it's just common courtesy. So maybe that's probably why nobody knows who we're talking about. However, stranger things have happened in this world when sometimes rudeness or lack of clarity, you know, you, you kind of have success upwards.
3: uh, Before you go, Drez, I'm sorry. I just, if you don't mind, I just want to say, Eric, thank you for all that. You know, interesting to me, I never looked at it like she was going to be doing me a favor. I thought I was doubling down and offering her a second opportunity as opposed to her paying me back. Because in my mind,
2: I was doing something for her. She wasn't offering anything to us. And yeah, so, but it's, it's strange, though, because sometimes people are like, well, if I'm going to be on your show, I'm going to bring my audience with you, and she may have a, a non-correct perceived opinion of the listeners or your popularity, and she just might be in her own head to, understand, to, to think that, well, I'm giving you content. You know, there's a lot of musicians yeah, who are really upset over music streaming services. Of their low amount of money that they're making when those services are saying, well, we're giving you the platform and the artists are always saying, well, we're giving you the content to put on that platform and without that, we're not there. You know, I'm just speculating, but that's all we do at the show. (laughs)
4: <laughs> so, Mark, I just would go to the fact that she was a young woman, right? And yeah, young, attractive course. women do get hit on. And, you know, when she said, I got to ask my sister, that adds an yeah. interesting dynamic, right? It goes yeah. back to the night, go back to that scene, 1980 fame, you know, uh, where you have Irene Cara sitting there crying because she thought it was a real audition. But instead, the guy
3: took right. n-
4: nude photos. No, of her.
3: that's fair enough.
4: So she might have just wondered. However, I'm assuming you probably sent a link to Mouth Media, the, comp- the parent company of this podcast. It was
3: it – was, yeah, of course. Yeah, was, so
4: the legitimacy was there, and then that's yeah. where I, I then uh, agree with what Erica is saying about yeah. she had an opportunity, easy for her to research it, see all the kinds of guests you've had on, that it's quite legitimate and an opportunity. And then the other thing I'll just add is, you know, the reality is all four of us do live in this world of entertainment people who don't live in our world probably just have no idea how to do that next thing. I'm surprised when I GPR that often that'll be the first interview that CEO did. You know, and here's somebody's friend No.
3: Right? That is amazing. Yeah, also so it's
4: possible they don't have the concept of why true. they need those opportunities so kind of just added color commentary to everything eric said
3: no i love i love both of those responses actually beyond my story just really illuminating information for anybody i think and you know i'm always amazed to something eric said outside of funny people talking i'm the ceo of mouth media network which produces this show i am always i shouldn't say surprised but i always think it's so interesting how publicists So often we'll pitch people that are not household names as either executives or captains of industry or even companies as if it's an opportunity for us or they'll pitch it as a collaboration or a partnership as opposed to being honest and saying, I want to pitch a guest for your show and see if you'd be interested. But it's wrapped up in this wrapping that is as if somehow they're doing us a favor by filling our content when in actuality what's happening,
5: they're bugging me by
3: these unsolicited pitches, which I am courteously.
2: That's such such an American thing. I got to tell you, like I, when I'm courteous
3: about it, I respond to everyone by the way, but I'm saying.
2: See, you're rare though, because I just assume that in, in my entire career, nobody has time to write back and say, no, 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 no. But the ability When I first started, it was always... Oh, I'll give you a perfect example. When I first started, I never wanted to work for a major label. I want—I never wanted to work for a Universal or Sony or Warner. I didn't want to be a cog in the wheel. Even though I would love to work with some of the, the biggest artists of our time, it was never my thinking. My whole my whole life has been based on independence and, and doing what you want to do, and then good things and better artists will come to you, provided that you do a good job, and so forth. But I was always fascinated with the politics of playing that kind of game, where if you do this artist that is unknown. We will give you this artist, which is a get for you. Mm. And those transactions happen still to this day, maybe not necessarily with publicists, but with bookings and shows where it's like, you need to take this band on because they're going to open up for somebody down the road. And when that unknown band becomes popular, you'll get more credit because you, you got to have them before they broke big, which shows that you're in the know and that you've you've got really good taste and that those artists will be loyal to you and that when they're too big for you they'll always remember that you did the interview back when they were nobody so you can get wrapped up in your own head about so many different ideas which is why I love and hate the side of publicity because I love it cuz it's it's everything I ever wanted to do but sometimes I hate it because there're there's so many reactions to whatever you're doing that you are reacting off of them. And now they're reacting off of you. But if you're big, you don't have to even play those games because you can rely on those massive artists to get whatever you want done.
3: Wow. Very cool. That was brilliant, wow. man. That Thank you. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. Everyone's trying to do their job. I try to remember everyone's trying to do their job, but there's just right ways to do it and wrong ways to do it. And, it's so funny that we look at always look at this, the places that we intersect with our different work that we do. We, we look mm-hmm. at it through our own individual lens.
2: Yeah, and, yeah, and,
3: right? Uh, it's yeah. Just, so you
2: probably get this as well. Like yes, every single piece of media that the artists that I work with get, I always say, you know, please share, tag, and say thanks to the site. Because I learned really early on nice, that nice. not a lot of people say thank you in this industry, not a lot of people still so to the few. day where we're getting like, you know, look, I I get like 1,600 or 2,000 press releases a week for my little blog and the show that I have. I can only imagine what a daily newspaper gets on a regular basis or right. a huge podcast. But the fact that that they're thought of and say thank you, it blows my mind when media outlets, especially a little bit smaller ones that are like, wow, like them saying thank you, brought a lot of hits to the site because sometimes artists don't realize this is a two-way street. There's not a lack of of information and ways to contact one another. We all have the internet. We all have email. We all can search anybody. We can find anybody in the world. But the fact that they chose to write about you is not really about music discovery anymore. It's mostly about, well, how many followers do they have on social media? How how many people can they bring to the site? And if they choose to write about you when you have a smaller audience, you better say thank you. And that's still rare in this case. But again, Mark, to your point, some artists don't even realize that philosophy. And they think that that they're doing you a favor by writing about them. When meanwhile, it's like, hey, without these blogs, we don't have a job or radio sites or things like or podcasts like this one.
3: There you go. All right. Well, I love that so much. Okay. I feel honestly, we could talk for a whole hour about just this. I have like 15 more things to say or ask about. So for the sake of variety, we'll move on. But I wish we could talk longer about this. I think this seems like an appropriate moment for a Dresden moment.
4: Ah.
0: So okay. Dresden,
3: through her work, just like you, Eric, has encountered quite a number of uh, celebrities in, in her time. Oh, and- she
2: name names? she names oh, names
3: not mean, in a mean way our... dress okay. does not mean but, uh, it but almost, Dresden is gonna be good. it
4: almost always has the person coming out looking really cool actually
3: yes okay. and Dresden not sometimes so uh, this
4: is true.
3: Dresden <laughs> what is your Dresden moment today
1: and now it's time for Dresden moments.
4: Okay, so the Dresden moment I have chosen for Eric being with us today is, you know, if you look through Eric's social media, which I may add, Bill and among many other publications, have named him top head honcho for his social media sites. So, yeah. so many cool things about you, sir. Is, you know, you probably, you know, you you do a lot with John Lennon, right? You do a lot with mm-hmm. Bowie, right, on your sites. And you probably wish there's questions you could ask them, Right. Yeah. I mean, have you have you ever had a chance to interview either of them in your career?
2: No, I wouldn't even know what to say.
4: Okay, I, so- I wouldn't
2: even know, you know. Well, it's I'll tell you, are. as a yeah. former
4: former journalist who interviewed a lot of stars, I always had a question that would blow their mind. I always had a question that I could ask them. Like, I remember I brought up some obscure thing to Joan Baez, and a month later, I brought my mother to her concert, and she said to my mother, I am so sorry I didn't sing Carrick Fergus you remembered that that was my mother's favorite song because it was i steve perry journey i said hey you know what there's 144 nanas in love and touch and squeezing and i figured he knew (laughs) he never counted them i did my high school friend (laughs) na 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 okay back to the story i was going to tell however so i eric uh and normally i have a big eddie money uh record album behind me in my office. Um, I I, I did work with Eddie and I wrote his biography. So while I'm writing the biography, sure, there's things I knew, researching a lot of third party interviews he did. He was an open book and told great stories. But flashback two years prior when we were working on the musical and we worked on it together remotely for a while. And the director said to the actor who was playing Bill Graham, Right. Legendary promoter in the field, Bill Graham, Eddie's second father, uh, said, you know what, I need you to do something with your hands in this scene. Most likely you'd be smoking. And so having written part of the script, Sean and I, he was playing Bill Graham, said, I wonder if Bill Graham smoked. I said, OK, you open the biography. I'll Google. 60 seconds later, I said, what are we doing Eddie's sitting right there.
2: Oh,
5: my
4: gosh. I went over. Hey, Eddie, did Bill Graham smoke? He goes, hell no. He was too damn cheap. And scene. So I'm uh-huh. now... Like, my automatic thing was to do research when the source was sitting eight feet away.
3: Hey, Eddie, so, could you could you Google this for me?
4: Eddie, what <laughs> page in the book. So... So it was just a really cool experience that, that not only did I guess work on the script to them and so forth, but just for research, right? God, then wow. I wrote the biography after he passed and if only. So I bet there's so many times in your career when you're telling backstories on albums and wow. so forth, Eric, that you wish you could have said, hey, wait, hold on. I'm just going to go ask John.
2: <laughs> As yeah. You know, I... I, I I ended up doing PR for Ringo Starr for a number of years for about Sweet. five albums. And, um, and he used to rehearse up at Rama, Ontario, just North of Toronto. But, you know, you get into these moments of, of especially with the classic rock heritagey kind of artists where you bring up Eddie Money. And to me, Eddie Money is like my years of like eight to 15 because that's the music and the era that that he was on the radio so many times. So it continually blows me away that when I'm looking at a Ringo Starr, all I'm thinking about is like your Ringo Starr. And I just want to ask about like tell me about the whole Paul is dead thing. Cause I need to know.
4: <laughs> Cause and I know no one's ever asked you that before. Well,
2: yeah. And, well, and, and, you know, you, you get in these scenarios where sometimes, you know, they're open because it's you, but you know, somebody like Ringo Starr is, is, is you know, you gotta be, I think a lot closer to him, but I had, a, I, I, you know, in, in a third party, I remember when Sinead O'Connor was coming into Toronto and she did a couple of shows, and and I was doing PR for her. She was a little bit unrecognizable to a certain extent. She got you know older as we all do, and and for a lot of people living in Toronto, even though that you haven't you know she didn't tour the city for a little bit of time. So her and I we were hanging out, and we went across the, the street to the local pub that was there just to get some food. And they said, you know, it's going to be about a two hour wait. Because it's a little bit busy because of the show, and all these people were lined up, were essentially there to eat, and then they were going to go see the Sinead O'Connor show. So then I said to the to the the, the person at the front, to the host, I was like, you know, I I'm here with with Sinead O'Connor. Like, is there anything that we can do? And he said, Oh, I don't like Sinead O'Connor. And Sinead is, is like standing right oh, beside me. Come on. Oh. And Sinead said, Oh, it's okay. There are times when I don't like myself as well. And oh, then, what you know, you just, but she, she wow. was, yeah, she was wow. great at it. But so many, so many moments where it blows me away that even to this day, when I'm working with some of the, the, the music legends, that I mean, look, we're all music fans, we're all fans of what we do, so we got into this business because of people like that growing up. and if you would have told me that I would be working with you know a Joan Baez or Sinead O'Connor or the Indigo Girls yeah. or you know Ray Charles, it would it would blow my mind as a teenager, knowing that one day you know you'd be kind of contributing whatever small amount to their to wow. their lives. Wow.
3: Eric, uh, just out of curiosity um did
4: he did you did get a table? You, it, no, that wasn't the question. Did
3: you oh. <laughs> no, no, no. did no, you get no, to no. eat this that is...
4: night? Did you get a table?
3: This... I need to know. I am so delighted that we got <laughs> it. We didn't get a table, we got takeout.
4: All right, all good. Sorry, I'm so, Mark. I'm as so you happy were. We I was on a... the edge of my seat.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we got an Eric moment. And
2: we got a we table. We right in the bathroom. And see <laughs> And, <scene. laughs>
3: and <scene. laughs> Eric, this is a this is a completely unrelated question, but I have to ask. My wife is a the degree to which someone can be a fan of somebody and the impact that they've made on their life and not be like a crazy person about it. My wife is that with Cyndi Lauper. I don't mean she has posters everywhere. I mean, my wife is a musician and she, she's deeply emotionally affected by like, when we went to see Cyndi live, she, my wife cried the whole show because just to be not even like that, like, starstruck way and just the presence of someone and watch them do their magic and go you have your music your talent inspired me to such a degree with my life and then to be with you and watch you perform and when she got a chance to be in front of her and get an autograph at a book signing she didn't nothing my wife did nothing she just posed with her thanked her gave her a gift and that was it. She didn't like make the most of that moment in a way that would be disrespect or whatever. Have you ever had an interaction with uh, or a connectivity with Cindy Lauper?
2: Well, it sounds like your wife was suffering from post traumatic stress disorder. By by, you know, because sometimes people go into shock where it, there's almost like a defense mechanism that that allows them that tell their tells their brains don't freak out, don't freak out, don't freak out. Yeah, you're in yeah. the car now. You can freak <laughs> Maybe. out, right? Um, there's there's a lot of moments i i think probably you know the the first one when i knew that that this was going to be really interesting was was hanging out with jerry lee lewis because jerry lee was the first he, Great Balls of Fire was the first song that I ever bought with my own money on a 45 in the 70s. And when I was eight years old, I saw a movie called American Hot Wax. And it Mm -hmm. told the story of Alan Freed, the the Cleveland DJ that coined the term rock and roll. And on stage or in the movie, there were Chuck Berry and Jerry Lee Lewis performed live. And it was really them. Watching that movie by myself as an eight-year-old in a theater up at the cottage was to me, just that moment where everything clicked that I said, I don't know what this is. I don't know how to even begin to do something like this, but I want to do this. And I realized that I have no musical talent whatsoever and I still don't. But when I got to, to see that movie and I left the theater like I had just seen Star Wars and going to become a lifelong sci-fi fan. <laughs> um, when I got to work with Jerry Lee Lewis, for the Last Man Standing album, I was emotionally cool, but might he could have touched me in the chest and I would have bowled over because my knees were buckling. And when he called me killer, I thought that that might have been the greatest moment and I could die. And that was it. Until I realized that he calls everybody killer. Oh. <laughs> but I don't know. He had... He performed on stage that night. It was a tribute to him being in in the music industry for 50 years. It was at the Peabody Hotel in Nashville. And on stage, there was bodyguards with guns uh, by their side. And I wasn't sure if it was to protect the audience from Jerry or Jerry from the audience. Uh... And it was the most dangerous two hours I've ever spent because he was the killer. I mean, he was one of the most dangerous, vibrant, exciting performers on the planet. So watching him, I mean, there's, there's people I've never met that I've always wanted to say hi to and say, oh, wow, I just want to say thank you. Knowing full well that I'm the millionth person to say that to. But some of the greatest people that I would want to meet, I have absolutely no idea what to say. I love Phil Collins. I, I know more about Phil Collins than probably Phil Collins does, but I would have no idea if I got 18 minutes with him for my show, what on earth to ask him, because I would be too freaked out that this is Phil Collins.
6: But but
4: Eric, can I ask you, have you also been with artists who who you've seen how how it's so mu- you know, obviously you have, as their publicist standing by them and book signings, et cetera, you see that when they get the same question over and over again, it's, it's exhausting for them in their trying to be gracious. So is that another reason why maybe you don't, you're so careful with what you say?
2: No, I think that there are little games that, that musicians play. Um, Especially when you're in a band, you'll give a little bit of a side eye to somebody. You'll, you'll smile just a little bit and it's kind of your job to come up with an answer that makes it sound like this is the first time that you're saying it, you know, that it's an intelligent question. I'm, you know, I was working, I'm working with Kathy Valentine of the Go-Go's and in her book, she talks about how the question in every interview was, so what's it like being in an all girl group? And, you know, I know that the media has to ask that, but at the time they kept on, kind of giving the impression that this might have been the first time to hear about it. But the media knows that they need to ask that question. They they know that David Gilmour is always going to be asked about a Pink Floyd reunion. They You interview Paul McCartney, you have seven minutes, 30 seconds of it is going to be. So do you think that the Beatles would have ever gotten back together again if John Lennon wasn't shot and killed? So it's your job to kind of make everything fresh and cool, because if not, then you just become a little bit of an, arrogant guy yeah. and you know what i
4: gotta give i gotta give a shout out to Teddy money every yeah. single interview he made everybody feel special that he was asking like they were asking it for the first time wow. so, well so yeah look he was know, a king of that money,
2: yeah when you're adding money like i would imagine that like the question that he gets so much is so what was it like being a cop or when did you make that decision to go from there to there and you know every new time that you get to ask that question for an artist if they're thoughtful maybe there's a new illumination that they've thought of in the last little bit since the last time that they asked that in order to answer that question but you know yeah but, but you know you always have to understand that you know there are people right now on this planet listening to this or listening to stuff all day long that weren't around when john lennon got got shot right. 40 years ago so you can't always assume that your readers are going to have the answer to these questions we're not most of the people don't read 75 blogs a week like we do it, or <laughs> listen to a podcast. so most people listen to the radio for 10 minutes in the car and that's right it.
3: but you know eric i think there's you're, you're right on every count of course but I, I also think there's another there's different ways to tell a story so it's not just that person telling the story the same way Because people are smart and they're tuned in. They can tell when they're hearing boredom, when they're hearing a tape pulled out of someone's head. They've told a hundred times. So finding another way to tell that story. And, you know, I I think about like, uh, this is going to sound morbid, but instead of asking, like, tell us about the car crash or how badly were you hurt or was the car totaled? If you instead say, you know, when you were going through the windshield, what was the thought that was going through your mind at that moment makes me live that moment differently as an audience member. And as an interviewer, I'm likely to get something from that guest that they may have never been asked before that makes them think about that differently and be willing to be generous with their answer because you've given them a moment of inspiration that they haven't had in a while on that topic. And I think that's the key to get not just getting great answers, but allowing people to experience what might be a first for them in a way that is as genuine and interesting as when that person was first answering these questions, perhaps decades ago. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Uh, All right. We're going to take a quick break, as I hate to do. And as soon as we come back, uh, we're going to come back with prognosticator, <laughs> prognosticative, that's the <laughs> word I was looking for, prognosticative movie reviews <laughs> with Elsie <laughs> right after this.
1: <laughs> Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Funny People Talking and Elsie at Elsie the Producer. And please, for the love of all that is holy, subscribe to the show and leave us a damn review and a really, really good rating on iTunes. Pretty please? Thank you.
3: All right, Elsie, Clearly, we're going to have to change the name of this this uh, this segment <laughs> going forward. But for now, we'll call it Prognosticative uh, Movie Reviews with Elsie, where uh, I give Elsie a, a, a real description of a real movie that she hasn't seen. But Elsie is so tuned in to basic information on a movie, she can instantly drum up a real solid, reliable movie review on the spot, and uh, we're going to see if... She's always done good in the past. Let's see if uh, she doesn't fail us now. Are you up for it, Elsie? Sure. She loves bacon, she's cantankerous, and her
0: cats and it just bends. She's the producer. It's Elsie.
3: Thanks for the energy. Okay. So uh, <laughs> the first one the first one, sorry. The first one is I love you, Elsie. Okay. First one is called These are real movies and real descriptions. First one's called, first one's actually more of a mainstream movie. It's called Breach. And the description is, Bruce Willis stars in the action-packed sci-fi thriller fleeing a devastating plague on Earth. An interstellar arc comes under attack from a new threat, a shape-shifting alien force intent on slaughtering what's left of humanity. So, Elsie, how was that movie? Well,
6: I don't think people realize what they meant by breach when they brought that up and how the humans were all slaughtered. I don't know if you're familiar with a breach birth, but that's pretty much how they did it. And oh um, it was it was gruesome and um, it, it didn't go over very well. It was a sleeper. It wasn't even
3: a cult classic. It just you know, All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Uh, poor Bruce Willis. Guess you shouldn't be moonlighting on movies like that. But uh, uh, next is oh, the next, just die hard, Mark. I'm so okay. That joke
6: died hard. That <laughs> joke died hard. That's what I meant to say. See, That's I didn't get right. it out right. No, it was right. I'm just backing you.
3: <laughs> well, he just gives me misery. See, he started misery on Broadway. So I actually saw that with my wife. It was um Bruce Willis was getting cues for his lines in an earpiece. Stop, you could tell. So well, it was known to be true, and his acting yeah. was really disappointing. Did you see that too, Elsie, on Bravo? I read about it, read and they it? actually said it in the in yeah. The, but Lori well, Metcalf played the nurse, the nurse, and she was everything Lori Metcalf can be. She's such was a good nurse.
4: Well, she was celebrated. the nurse. She was
3: the uh
4: Kathy Bates character. The Kathy Bates yeah, part. Yeah, but was yeah, she so. a nurse?
3: Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. All right. Anyway, the I next- just knew she was a super fan. Yeah, no, she was a nurse. That was the whole story okay. where she had there was I I don't know. news news reports of her killing patients or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, the next title is oh, called yeah. Habitual. Habitual. And it here's the here's the, the description. A fistful of drug-popping ravers take a heavy dose of something new and unusual that leads to a hellish trip to an underground party at an abandoned asylum. God, the adjectives. In Salem, Massachusetts, plans to dance and get wasted all night drastically morph into chaotic hallucinations. And as the plot unfolds, the characters fall deeper into a metaphorical, mind-bending hole. That's habitual. How yeah. was that movie?
6: Elsie? Um, well, you see that one. They they tried to go into lots of different genres. The whole Salem thing. And, um, you know, the like. Dazed and confused, potties and stuff like that, and then also for the futuristic part, you know, they're saying now that LSD and what have you are going to help with dealing with, uh, you know, coronavirus and PTSD and all that kind of stuff. So they're good. They're the they're trying to hit so many things and and so many different kinds of viewers and stuff like that. That uh, there were a lot of people that were interested in it, but it was a little bit just too mishmash all over the place.
3: So it was everywhere and therefore nowhere. Correct. Got it. All
6: right. Final one. They tried. It was one of those things. They just couldn't market it to everybody and have it actually come (laughs) together.
3: Yeah. All right. The final one is Lupin the third colon. The first is the name of the movie. It's an animated film. The iconic gentleman thief Lupin the Third returns. I didn't know there was a first one. In an action
4: yet he's iconic. Continue. I
3: I know. Returns in an (laughs) You're not iconic just because you say you're iconic. Exactly. The iconic gentleman thief Lupin the Third returns in an action-packed continent-spanning adventure as Lupin the Third and his colorful underworld companions race to uncover the secrets of the mysterious Bresson Diary before it falls into the hands of a dark cabal, C-A-B-A-L, whatever that is, that will stop at nothing to resurrect none other than the Third Reich.
4: Oh, that was a twist.
3: Elsie, You, I don't know what you expected when you went and saw this little animated flick, but... Uh, uh, shades of Wizards there a little bit.
6: Yeah, there's a whole underground thing about this and uh, this kind of animation. It actually does have quite a following and it's it's successful in the underground, but it, for like the mainstream theaters, it doesn't do, you know, it doesn't even get admitted into their queue. So, but it actually does have quite a following and they do make up their money eventually and all the costs of the animation will have you. So surprisingly enough, kind of scary, but yeah,
3: they do. Wow! Well, all right. Well, thank you very much, Elsie, for your prognosticatized, <laughs> whatever uh, your uh, <laughs> movie reviews. Thank you, by the very, very much. By the way, I, uh, I, and a few years ago, I got a chance to interview Ralph Bakshi, the uh, the famous director who who did uh, Wizards and the animated Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. That was one of the most fascinating interviews I ever did, Eric, uh, from a true artist. And he actually told me about a story where he was sitting in a theater with, um, Oh gosh, who's the director that did the recent, uh, Hobbit and and Lord of the Rings and everything like that. Uh, with the Peter Jackson. Yeah. Peter Jackson. So Ralph Bakshi and Peter Jackson sat in a movie theater one time talking about the Lord of the Rings through their, their different perspectives. And that was a pretty fascinating story. What a guy.
5: Now, when I sat down and got the right stirring, I didn't know how to make anything work. Everything had to be recreated. What does a hobbit look like? I got a girl to play Frodo. You know, all, you know, all these things were, were coming out of my studio for the first time. I had nothing to look at. He had something to look at. That's, you're way ahead of the game. Okay, Now, right. So he makes $5 billion trillion, I so gave him a nice head start. His ring race and my ring race, it don't matter. He does Frodo and the family guys under the bridge with the ring race guitar. He called it a homage right out of my movie. Wonderful, right? So send me a bottle of wine. <laughs> no, not a bottle of wine, not a note, not a thank you. You ready for this? Now I say to him, I'm dying. I'm broke. I'm trying to get a couple of hundred thousand to be a like short. Got a Kickstarter? Either buy Kickstarter with your money, or put in fifty grand. And help me finish this thing up. I'm telling him, come on, Peter. You know what I mean? Be nice. Wow. Not a thing. How about fifty bucks, Jackson? Yeah. How about twenty-five dollars? You know. So this is what the world is made of. You know, I, I hand the guy a billion dollars. Smart enough to jump on it. Not a bottle of wine and, and no no Peter Jackson has showed up on my kick.
3: So, have right. you talked to Ralph Baxter? You know him as well?
2: No, no, but I saw American Pop as a kid and blew my mind. And then I saw Fritz the Cat and I yep. blew everything else. And that was it. There you yeah. Go. Wow. That heavy, he did heavy metal too right was that him too i think he did i think he did yeah. and he had a new
3: project he was working on when i interviewed him that i i have to look up yeah.
2: he's, he, he doesn't seem to be a guy that's on this planet his mind is like woo,
3: i know it's he's a very interesting guy very yeah uh all right well thank you so much elsie uh it's time for a our improv game and now an improvisational comedy game gonna kind of do a brief version of it, so we don't run out of time to talk to Eric more about Eric. Uh, but uh, I've I pulled this out. We're gonna do one round of it, and I'll give Eric the opportunity to choose what role he'd like to play in this. Uh, usually, we kind of go around the the circle here, Eric, and uh, and everybody gets kind of a shot at you know participating in different ways. But in the interest of time, we're gonna do one with this. This is called musical press conference it's perfect (laughs) for eric and uh and basically the way it goes is someone is giving a press conference and there are the uh, everyone else is the reporters and uh the key is that with every answer uh the the person giving the press conference must give their answer in song in a style of music that has been given to them by the question asker so for example i might say how long was he in the dungeon uh in um rogers and hammerstein style and uh then i have to answer the question in that way so i will ask you eric alper uh knowing that we haven't demonstrated this to you would you like to be the press conference giver or one of the reporters it's so oh my god
2: it. no i want you to have an audience uh, for this podcast, you don't want to hear me sing whatsoever. <laughs> no, really, it, it it will it will be horrible. It will be awful. Um, uh, but I will be the um. what's the choice of the press conference and the
3: reporters. So you'll be one of the reporters asking I the questions. I will be one
2: of the reporters.
3: All right, uh, Dresden. I'm not picking on you, but I want to offer. Would you like to be the person giving the press conference? Sure. Why not? Okay. Great. Yes. All right. So Eric, what I'm going to ask you to do is, would you would you give dresden a problem that or a news item that she is now responsible for holding a press conference about perhaps something that we wouldn't ordinarily think a press conference would be given about okay i'm going to give you an example of the kind of thing you could say just to give you inspiration uh my brother mowed the lawn unevenly Uh, or, you know, uh, I was able to buy the last thermos in the store, you know, so you probably wouldn't do a press conference about that.
2: Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, uh, recently, recently married duo or recently married artist um, is getting a divorce, scandalous divorce on the front page of every newspaper. Yes. Um, because, um, he doesn't know how to properly load the dishwasher.
3: Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, We are now at the press conference. Uh, We're going to go to the press conference where uh, Dresden Engel is going to take questions on this, uh, this breaking news story uh, with the reporters gather around and we now go to Dresden,
4: but wait, 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 don't we have to do, don't you have to pick the genre?
3: Well, we do each time that we ask you a question, we have a different genre.
4: Oh, so you're gonna tell me when you ask me the question. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Hello. Um, hi. Uh thank you all for gathering here today on such short notice. Um, yes, um my client is is in a state of shock. Um he's a little bit un, uncomfortable, uh, having to admit <laughs> why his his, you know, life Time, love has has left him over uh, something that was just a domestic situation, and we we really would rather not give too many details at this time.
3: Uh, uh, Dresden, Dresden, Dresden. yes, yes. Sir Mark, Mister Rico. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I wanted to know uh, what happened to the unwashed dishes, uh, where they are now, uh, and and in the style of um, uh, eighties power ballad, please. So you know.
0: Even though I didn't say what the domestic situation was you still knew it had to do with glassware yeah 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 <laughs> he put the dishes on the counter and I didn't put them in the shelving of the
6: dishwasher <laughs> Trying to think. Dresden, Dresden, I got a question. I got a question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got yeah, a question. yeah, yeah. It's Elsie, Elsie. Um, yeah, so um I-, I wanted to know um uh did he do the fork tines up or down in the dishwasher? What was the problem? <laughs> Vienna Boys Choir. You're hitting <laughs>
0: Vienna Boys Choir.
6: <laughs> Vienna Boys Choir. Yeah.
0: You ask these questions. Do you hurt me up or do you hurt me down? Yes, you do. It's the <laughs> little things that made her go
4: elsewhere to screw. I just <laughs> gave more scandal away. Bad PR person. Oh, sorry. I guess so, yes, yes, sir. Yes, Mister Apple. Yes, yes.
2: Yeah, I, I just want to know, um, what kind of dishwasher liquid was it? Was it a? Was it a little tablet or was it liquid and and can you please answer that in the form of 1965 Bob Dylan please
4: <laughs> <laughs> It was powder It was not a gel it was powder <laughs> Everywhere what the hell it was powder <laughs> Six okay.
5: <laughs> I have one last question, Mr. Rico. Yes, this question. will
4: this will be have to be our last question. Okay,
5: say.
3: thank you. Uh, I just wanted to know whether uh, your client is actually going to have any type of career after this incredible scandal. What kind of career can it be? And in the style, if you would, of uh, vocal exercises.
0: <laughs> He's gonna rise up, 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 up. Me, me, move my, move my may. he may become a farmer in may uh,
3: <laughs> bravo bravo that's how you do emotional press uh, musical press conference musical press conference oh Very my nicely god done talk about in.
4: diverse genres applause that was rewarders. awesome
3: that was awesome, and Eric Eric gets the MVP of this game for the incredibly specific suggestion. I oh, might have so been
2: much. the best I've ever I've ever witnessed on a podcast before. That was amazing. Very wow, nice. Oh Cool. Great.
3: Yay. Good job, Dresden. Good job, Eric. Thank you, Elsie. All thanks, right.
5: Team.
3: All right. Quick break, and then it's all about Eric right after this.
1: It might just be what Melania uses to drown out the sobbing. This is Funny People Talking.
3: All right, everybody. Uh, welcome back. We're here with Eric Alper, a uh, music... He, he's a rock star among rock stars, let's just nah. say. Oh, I like uh, that. Rock
4: star I, I, publicist. I'm, I'm
3: going to get you a T-shirt, Eric. So Anyway, um, <laughs> I would love to start with this. I, 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 I'm actually... Um, gonna take a back seat a little bit this interview i might ask a couple questions but i'm gonna toss the baton over to elsie and dresden uh no pressure elsie but i know that you were dying to get eric on so i want to leave room for you to ask anything you'd like to ask and dresden you as well since you guys are in the same game in a way um but i would love to lead off with this eric um you've had a long not over but still a long and storied um intriguing career that has had more levels as it goes so you started at a certain place when the first time you did whatever that got you into the industry whether it's i'm a musician i want to do an interview i want to learn something about this person i'm going to write this whatever it was and i'd be happy to have you comment on what you think that first moment was but what i'd love to know is how how do you perhaps think differently about who you are, your own identity is as it relates to your career than who you thought you were at that moment, way back when. (laughs) And, and in other words, what you thought you were embarking on versus where you are now and who you think you are as the combination of those many ingredients that have made up your experiences.
2: It's, it's amazing how, um what a party the music industry seemed to be from the outside looking in when i first got a subscription to billboard magazine when i was 12 years old it it wasn't so that i could memorize the charts of billboard cuz i did that anyway but it was really reading about the people behind the scenes. I was fascinated with how things were operating the way that they were. Um, I was, I loved reading about the record labels and the managers and the booking agents. And these people were like, you know, going back to before, they were like my sci-fi characters. You know, they were just characters in a world that I had no idea how to do, but all of the books that I read were scandalous. They were like about Paola, and they were about the other side of the industry that billboard wasn't really writing about because they didn't want to write about their own industry. So I thought that I would be, having to get drunk a lot, take a lot of cocaine and be with, you know, hookers and on giant boats. And then magically all these albums would sell. And and where I am now is, is working seven days a week, 19 hours a day.
4: I'm sorry, Um, Eric, that has to be the name of your biography, hookers on giant boats,
2: but continue. Right, exactly. And I really, like like, really early on that like somebody has to be the sober one and that person is going to be me so <laughs> when i you know when i got to like 23 um it, it was it was like i'm just gonna be sober and not be one of these casualties so i i think when i first got in it it was just seemed like a giant party that probably was but i missed by like a decade and what i <sighs> meant what i am now was more or what I realized is how much kindness goes a long way with everything, not only in your job, but on social media as well, where I've kind of developed more of a of a cult of personality or more popularity of what I do, but it doesn't get me more clients per se, um, except I think for those people who might want to trust me a little bit more, but it's also um, being able to pretend I could be this person on social media, and then quickly I realized that, I'm actually that person as much as I want to be. Wow. Thank you for that. I'm waiting for the next question at the press conference. Yes, exactly. A, a, actually, a, I'd love you to, way. I'm
4: going to throw Vienna's voice choir at you. Cause, so Elsie, will see, I'll let you go first.
6: Um, well, I mean, that's one of the things I discovered you on uh, social media and I saw you're like a human encyclopedia, but you've got a great sense of humor. And, um, your comments are always thought provoking or like have little tidbits that are, are news. Um, but they, they're serving to everybody. You don't have to just be in that genre or whatever. So, um, that was the thing that drew me right off. And, uh, when I was talking to Mock about having you on and stuff, I said, you know, he's got a really cool presence and he's like, I said, like human encyclopedia of fun facts, which is one of my things I love, um, and I hope that he's as nice as he seems. Cause you know, when you have someone that you want to meet and you're like, they're going to be really nice. And then they're not nice. And I'm like, I just, I was dying. So we finally got you on here and, um, I'm gushing a little bit. I, I can, they can tell you I've never done anything like this before. Cause I'm, <laughs> you know, but, um, oh, thanks. but I'm just, I wanted to just say, I'm, I'm so thankful that you came on here today, uh, just to. Be yourself and and hang with us and and talk about the biz and um, do ridiculous things that obviously are n- not the typical day for you. Yeah, so, but the, you know our improv awesome. games and all that kind of stuff. But but that's so. That, that, I mean, I, the whole
2: beautiful I, thing about music, right, is like I get to meet so many amazing people like you three yeah. because of like the fact that music exists.
3: You know.
6: Yeah, and um, so um, my question was basically already answered just by. You know, I wanted to know who you were. Just besides the the things that you post, yeah. So you've you've made that. You know,
2: it's cool. It's yeah, really cool. I, I'm I'm a guy who who loved music, loved uh, learned more about what was going on in the world around me through music. Um, I, I you know. It, it, w- music taught me what was happening halfway around the world in South Africa during the apartheid of the mid eighties. You know, it told me about what was going on in the AIDS crisis through, um, through Madonna and, and through Jimmy Somerville and, uh, Billy Bragg. And, and, um, you know, I, I learned more about Pittsburgh through like somebody like Bruce Springsteen and and those were, that was my education. And, um, and that led me to, you know, read more, um, about other stuff. And, and, uh, um, you know, it, for, I have music on all the time. Look, my wife is just so thankful that that Twitter exists because I don't have to bombard her by, by ridiculous pieces of trivia. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, like I, I made my mistakes early on. Like, you know, there was, there was a, a moment, um, well, yeah, actually, I mean, there was, there was a moment where, um, I, I, I let my personal, thought about a specific artist who deserved all of the criticism that they got. Um, You know, I kind of piled on a little bit um, at a time when I don't think enough people were speaking out against what this person had done. Um, Mm -hmm. And I got, I almost got fired from my job, from, from the label I was working at the time um, because we happened to distribute that person. I mean, we were so big. I had no idea that we were distributing them on the video side of it. So I learned to shut my mouth. And I learned too, yeah. that not everybody cares about what you have to say about politics. And it's nice to purge and you feel better having screamed about all of it. But I could walk away tomorrow on Twitter and nobody would care. You know what I mean? And and it allowed me to get a little bit of a, of a sense of self that if I'm really going to truly use um, social media for good, like my daughter does, and like we've all taught one another in our family, um, w- you know, we better put our money where our mouth is and not get involved with politics and, and yeah. not get involved with that. And some artists, you know, would take a front to that. You know, some people would say, look, especially in 2020, this is a time when you need to use your voice, but I don't have to, you know, nobody's yeah. asking what Eric Alper has to think about this or that or that. And I only want to kind of bring good stuff. I can't tell you this year. And it's not an ego thing because I never really received it up until this year, how many direct messages I've gotten from people, especially on Twitter, saying, I go to your stream when I'm sick and tired of the cesspool and the bonfires that's going on with politics yeah. or with the with COVID. And that makes me feel really good to know that at least I'm a diversion to something. And, um, um, yeah, and I just post for me and now for you, which yeah. is great.
6: Yeah. Well, I, all right, so you just brought something up, um, which – you know, grew a question in my brain. Um, so you, your daughter, like growing up, you know, everyone has a, um, idea of what their parents do for a living. And, and usually the kid is Mm -hmm. like completely, you know, whatever it is, but what, what was your daughter's, um, like if someone would say, what do you, what does your dad do? Um, how did she describe what you do? Like what was,
2: I yeah. love that. Good
3: job, Elsie. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> um, when, when she was really young, um, I got to work with the Wiggles and Sesame Street and Barney uh-huh. and so on. And so, when the Wiggles came into town, before they really truly blew up, and I saw the rise of that group, um, she came with me to the rehearsals and to the meetings and things like that. Cause I, not only was she a fan, um, but it was kind of like a perk of being Eric Alper's daughter. Um, And so (laughs) she got taken around with me to all the shows that I think that she would like, whether it was like a, a power pop band or a punk band at a festival and stuff. And, um, one, one day she, uh, she didn't act up, but one day she, I think was just being a little bit, um, too eager to meet the band um, when there was a whole bunch of people in front of us, like real fans to meet them. Mm. And, and, I, and I kept saying, like, we're going to the back of the line, we're going to the back of the line. And she kind of got a little bit frustrated because she was like, why? Like these people, how, how can you let them in front of us? Cause she didn't understand that these people were, were paying VIP tickets, but we knew the band and we were going to hang out with them and stuff. And I said, see all those people there. Like they actually don't have an opportunity in their whole life, except, Right now, mm. we're gonna be hanging out with them for like three days. And so I think she really and she was like seven at the time. She knew right then and there that I didn't that I worked in the music industry. Um, but I don't think that she realized until later on that like I'm actually what she sees on television with the interview or reading about in the papers, what I do for a living and stuff. So it was kind of interesting because I never lost sight of that. I never pulled a power trip, even to this day on anybody you know like i need to go talk to the band first before the fans do it's like no stay 15 hours and make sure that everybody gets asked that because i've nice. been those lines. i've been waiting overnight for for concert tickets i still pay to this day for all of my tickets that i want to go see concerts for wow. because i don't want to feel like i'm you know getting some sort of special treatment because i'm still oh. a music fan good for you cool. man
3: eric uh uh you know as elsie mentioned she sees humor in in the things that you communicate through social media how how do you look at humor as playing a role in the work that you do is that just something that naturally kind of leaks out of you if you will because that's just who you are or or is there any strategy for you in the way that you deploy that in you know you work uh uh as a as a uh, satellite radio host as a as a publicist uh you know uh just uh, as a journalist in general,
2: yeah. where does that come from? I, I grew up watching Monty Python and ah. all those WNED shows um, from Buffalo, and and uh, whether it was Fawlty Towers or that, or, or watching David Letterman, and and they all they all seem to have one thing in common: is the twist at the end of their sentence that made everything funny and that they can take a humorous thing. I love my job. I love my life. I, I don't want to do anything else. So by nature, I'm an optimist person anyway. And sometimes, you know, when, when you think that you are the most important person doing the most important job, I, it's so easy to get yourself wrapped up in everybody else's, you know, problems and situations. But I've had a really great life and, and my family who, who comes from the bar scene and and stuff. We all had a really good time doing what we're doing. So mm-hmm. humor comes from being on there on a little bit on, on your own Island. I worked by myself here in the home. Um, when I was working for the record labels, I was the only one doing PR. So all these things would ever go swimming around in my head, but I had nobody to tell it to except for when I got on Twitter. So that's really what it was, but it was just a fascination with, with comedy in general or Saturday night live where just that, that twist of, of, you know, maybe saying something that you would never say out loud, but because you laugh at the end of it, it makes it all good without being rude. <laughs> I love it.
3: Oh, I love that. Thank you. I'd love to invite you back on this show in the future where maybe we can have a chance uh, to, to to even unpack a little bit more. But so far, it's just been a lovely ride. Thank you very much. How can people find the things that you're working on or follow you and and get a taste of that humor, get a, a look into the work that you do?
2: Yeah, they can follow me on Twitter at that Eric Alper or visit the website anytime at that EricAlper.com. And I'd love to come back, but I have, just have to ask my sister. Oh,
3: oh, no! nice! oh, nice. She gets MVP again. MVP again. A callback. Oh, Look at bow, that. Bow, well done, bow. sir. Bow. Well played. N-C. Well played. Well invited, oh, Rob. So. Freaking awesome. Uh, nice. Uh, <laughs> nicely done. And by the way, Eric, I mean this in all sincerity. Yeah. If, if, you know, if you're able to come on sometime and there's a way that your daughter can join us and would like oh, to, yeah. even yeah. if it's just a call in for a second, kind of yeah, just sure. do a drop by, uh, she's welcome. She's absolutely oh, that's great. welcome. Thank you
2: very much. For all that. right. Yeah.
3: Um, and nice to have a little dad and daughter dance there. So, uh, all right. Well, Eric Alper, I think Woo! this is deserved. Thank you very it's much. a lot of fun. Thank you so much. What, Thank you for uh,
2: asking, Elsie. I truly appreciate it. Absolutely.
3: All right. Well, that's it for this memorable episode of Funny People Talking. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Of course, thanks for uh, to Eric Alper for taking time to join us. I love it so much, Uh, and we thank you for listening. We'll uh, see you next week for another great guest. Uh, Until then, for Elsie, thanks a lot, and Dresden. Cheers. I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day, everybody. Bye bye.
1: That's it? That's the end of the show? Boy, oh boy, what a crock! This was Funny People Talking. No portion of the content may be reproduced or published without the strict written permission of the producers. Connect with our show at Funny People Talking or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. I'm your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening.
0: This is Mouth Media Network,
5: the business of being heard.